All right, well, we are, again, still in our Acts series. We are, we are still in, uh, again, the book of Acts, rolling along here. And if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. Um, you know, and one thing I want to encourage you uh, is, you know, I, I hope you're spending some time in, in Acts, you know, on your own. You know, uh, grab a study, do a study on the book of Acts, especially if you're like kind of where we're covering right now. But even if it's just, you know, getting in, because there's something about just throughout the week and, and, you know, kind of going to some of those deeper places that then when you come in, you know, and you hear me mention something or whoever's preaching, Pastor Tony, um, you know, mention something that you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And it's not like the first time. And so, you know, that's our goal. And that's why we spend a lot of time in a book, you know, when we're working through a, a book of the Bible. It's just so that we're kind of, we've kind of immersed ourselves there for a while, right? And just try to squeeze everything out that we can. And so I just want to encourage you, if you haven't done so, you know, jump in. Um, you know, we do try to, we're, we, at times we try to post questions even in the bulletin and things like that. But, but jump in and just, just, just go deep, right, in the book of Acts. And I think you'll be very, very blessed by it. And so we find ourselves uh, just at the end of chapter 9. Uh, we're, we're, we were in chapter 9 last week, and we're going to wrap up chapter 9 today and set us up for chapter 10 um, here in the next well, it's going to, we're going to take a brief pause between our fifth Sunday next week and then the following Sunday is uh, the vintage days. And typically, I, I prefer to preach like a real heavy gospel message at, at when we're outside like that. So because we don't know who's listening and we don't want to miss the chance uh, to, to get them the word of God and, and get them that, that just real clear. So, so it might be a couple of weeks before we get to chapter 10. So uh, just kind of giving you a little trajectory where we're going in our timeline. But, you know, here at the end of chapter 9, again, you know, last week, uh, we, were, we were plowing through some things together. And here, you know, it's kind of, it, it's an interesting shift. Um, not, not really a shift, I don't want to say that, you know, because last week was really, you know, a heavy on Saul and that whole, his conversion experience and everything else. And then at the very end, you know, uh, we, we, we jump back in and, and, and Luke writes about Peter, and some of his travels and what he's experiencing right at the very end of it. And so we're going to kind of hit that today. And it's, it's really something, you know, uh, with, with what's happening. Um, I don't know if anybody here, has anybody here seen, anybody like war movies here? Yeah, I do. I like them. Um, you know, it's very interesting to me. And especially when they're kind of accurate, you know, maybe not exactly they take some liberties, but when they're really accurate. And one of the most interesting ones that of, of late, I would say, is the movie 1917. Is, have you seen that one, a few people? You know, it is a war movie, so if you don't like that stuff, don't watch it. But, um, but the intriguing part of that movie is it was actually shot to look like it's one continuous scene. So it doesn't, like, cut and go to a different scene. It follows these two guys through the entire movie without, it looks like it doesn't stop, right? So it's very interesting the way they shot it. And it's just an ongoing kind of thing. Like, just, it's very, very interesting. But, you know, the whole premise of the movie, it's, it's World War I, of course, and it's these British soldiers, and they're carrying this vital message because uh, some of uh, their allies are about to, to make this attack, but they've got bad intel, basically, and it's all going to go bad. And so they've got to get this word to them to, the, hey, stop, stop the invasion because it's, it's bad. It's a whole, it's not going to go well. And so you follow these, these two guys throughout the movie, and, um, you know, they, they're carrying this message, right? They're carrying this, this vital message that their, their folks need to find out. They need to know. <clears throat> and it's the whole, you know, the premise is, is if they fail, countless lives are going to be lost, right? 
And, you know, it just kind of struck me today as, as we were, you know, as I was preparing this week and, and, and thinking about, you know, the message today and, and as, as we kind of jump in and we're going to be following Peter on some of this, his journeys and what he's, you know, uh, taking to many people, the, the good news of the gospel. In a lot of ways, you know, there's a parallel there, isn't there? That, that there's a message, there's something that, that is being carried that is vital for the life of people, that people need to hear. And that is what the disciples uh, have this deep, deep sense that there's a responsibility that they have. And I find it also striking that when, when we treasure and when we value something, we realize the value of what it is that we carry or that we have. It really changes kind of how, how you know, much we're driven to, to see it through. And, you know, I want to encourage all of us today, church, as, as we, you know, can, can become kind of a bit lethargic sometimes. We can become kind of comfortable, and, and we forget the beauty of the gospel message that we received, the new life that we were given, and how vital that is that there are people that need to hear this message. And also, you know, the, a wonderful thing that we see throughout the book of Acts, and of course it kicks off right at the beginning, is the gift of the Holy Spirit, Right? It's not in our own strength. It's not just our, you know, on our shoulders, so to speak. It's, it's on our shoulders in the sense that we need to do something, but we are empowered, and, and the Holy Spirit goes with us. You know, Jesus is still present in our lives and, and still active and still moving, and we see it as we're going to see today in, in the Scriptures, but also today right now. When we, when we came in this morning, you know, and as we see, you know, saw the kids, and we, we, we sang with them, and we celebrated with them, and as we lifted up our voice in song, as, as Luke led us, you know, it's, it's all we're engaging, you know, uh, with each other by the Spirit of God. You know, there's, there's this community aspect of gathering this morning together and to be encouraged, right? So we leave this place built up and edified, and so we're, we're you know, we want to go out and we want to share the good news. We want to be on mission to what Jesus has called us to. And so that's kind of, you know, just this, this, this mindset or this idea as we kind of land the plane today for a minute uh, in Acts chapter 9 right at the end. And remember that Jesus has ascended to heaven at the beginning of Acts, right? That's, that, that account is there. But he's very much still present and at work in the world, both then and now. And that's the beauty of it, and that's what we're seeing. You know, as we work through this, this book of Acts, uh, and, and it's really, you know, the Acts of the Apostles, it's helpful to remember that we are, we are nine chapters in, and we're still talking about the same thing. <laughs> we're still talking about the same thing. And that's the growth of the church as those within it are carrying out the command of Christ to go into all the world, right? They're still carrying that. Just like that, that movie, you know, 1917 and that message and what they had and they, they knew. They're still carrying it. And we see the disciples here, even though, you know, some time has passed since Jesus ascended. And, you know, they could kind of, they faced some persecution and some challenges, haven't they? But they're still carrying the message. And they're still, they have that fervency to get out and get to where they need to go. And so I think it's really an amazing, uh, uh, again, just a, a thing to look at and to remember that, that it's important to remember that this whole book, you know, there's, you're going to see different names like Peter and Saul and things like that, but it's all about the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ going forward to all the world. Amen? And it's, the sa- it's not a spoiler, it's, it's the same message today, isn't it? That's what we're, what we're about. And so again, you know, this, the, the Acts, the book of Acts, it's a history of the church, but more, only, more importantly, it's a history of what Jesus was doing through the church, right? Do you ever stop and think about and maybe you don't think of it this way. You know, I, sometimes I think I forget, but I, I always try to bring myself back. The privilege that we have to partner with the creator of this world, this universe, everything, to carry out his plan and his will. Not that he needs us, right? He doesn't, he doesn't need us. He just, he, we have that privilege to, to walk with him and to be used by him, amen? 
And so that's something, really something, isn't it? And that's something for us to be reminded. And so today we're going to look at two accounts. And both, both accounts that we look at today are going to show that Jesus is still at work in the scriptures here. You know, he may have ascended in chapter 1, but he sent his spirit in chapter 2. And his presence has been with his people ever since, including today. And so these two miracles that Jesus accomplishes through Peter... And so, again, we, we kind of jump back into Peter's life. You know, the lens sort of shifts here to Peter once again. And he's, you know, going around the, the, the region on the move. And, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but how many know that it's, it's easier to steer something when it's moving than when it's not, right? And I'm going to say this a little tongue-in-cheek, but, I, you know, I, I know some people that spend most of their life praying about how the Lord might use them <laughs> and never actually doing anything, Right? There's actually a book out there. It's pretty good if you get a chance to read it. I think it's Kevin DeYoung wrote it, but it's called Just Do Something, right? Because we can spend so much time. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times I believe that we should wait on the Lord, that we're waiting kind of for that, what direction. But don't get stuck in that place. Take a step, you know? Do something, and then let God kind of move and steer you, just like a ship, you know? And you can sit in a boat all day or a ship and move that rudder, but if it's not moving, you're not, you're not, going, you're not doing anything, are you? You can't steer it. I don't know if you've ever seen some of those funny movies when they're trying to drive the boat, and once they kill that motor, they're trying to steer, and the boat just floats and runs into the trailer or does, just does, doesn't do what it's supposed to do, right? It's got to be moving. It's got to be running. And so I think that can apply to us, and I think that that also applies uh, here in the Scripture. So Acts chapter 9, we're going to begin reading today in verse 32. And of course, we're back inside, so I believe you're going to have the words up on the screen for us. But also, if you have your Bibles, feel free to use those as well. I'll be reading from the ESV. So it says, Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. Again, it's not telling him to get up and make his bed like, like you do your kids in the morning. He's saying, pick up your bed, fold it up, put it away because you don't need it anymore. You can walk, right? And so rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for just these wonderful people that are here. God, I thank you for those that are joining us online today. And God, I pray just that this message today would truly be uh, from you, uh, for your people, Lord God, as we, again, have heard and as we're going to see today, Lord, you are at work in your church. You are still speaking to us, uh, Lord, just in many ways, through your word and through your spirit. And God, we just thank you that you would do that today, that you would speak to us today, speak to our hearts um, and again, as we've heard, you know, again, it's, it's, today is the beginning of change. Today is the start of the revolution, if you will. And God, we just um, know that if we hear it and don't apply it, God, again, Lord, it just falls on uh, just uh, ground that's not fertile. And so, God, we pray that it would truly fall on ground that is fertile today in our hearts, and we would apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so anybody here ever been to Israel? <clears throat> okay, so a handful of people. Um, I've not actually been. I've been to Jordan. I was able to wave at people across in Israel when we were at the Jordan River. The, the Israel side looks way nicer than the Jordan side. But, um, but no, when you fly in, I'm told when you fly into Israel, you fly into the airport uh, called Ben Gurion, right? International Airport. I believe that's where you land. And um, that's actually 
Lydda, what we're talking about today. That's the same place that we're speaking of. So you've been to Lydda. You can tell people that if you want. And when you land there, it's, it's right there. It's in the northwestern, this, well, it's northwest of where Jerusalem is located, near the coast. All right, and so kind of having this, this idea in your mind, and you know, it seems that Peter here, if you, if you remember Philip, right, who had gone out in front and he's going to all these places, it seems Peter here is almost trailing and coming up behind him, kind of following up with what, Peter, what, what Philip's doing, right? He's visiting uh, the, the brothers and sisters in Christ there in those places, and if you look at it on a map, like Jerusalem's here, and he's kind of swinging over and he starts heading up the coast, into what's going to come next week, which is Caesarea, where he ends up way up to the northern part on the coast of the Mediterranean. And so kind of having that in your mind as, as he sweeps through, and, you know, because it talks about, you know, the saints who lived in Lydda. So, I mean, there were already saints there. There were probably, most likely, from Philip passing through there. And so Peter's now coming in and just kind of, you know, uh, visiting them, encouraging them. And so we see that taking place. And, you know, when we come to this story, and again, this is the first uh, miracle, if you will, that we're going to come across, and we need to kind of pause for a minute today, too, right? Because it's not every day you see somebody that's, that can't walk, walk, right? That's healed in that moment. And, you know, it's something that we have to stop, and we, we understand the scripture, and you think of the power of God able to speak the universe into existence. He can definitely make somebody walk, right? And I love the way that, that Peter, when he says to, to Aeneas, he says, Jesus Christ heals you. And I love that, you know, it, it's kind of scrappy and, 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 you know, how Peter is and how we see him, this, this kind of real bolsterous sort of individual. But here we just see like this humility that he had come into through that process probably of denying Christ and being restored. We see this humility like it's not me. Don't look at me. Jesus Christ heals you today in this moment. And so, you know, it's, it's really uh, something in telling for us to see that. And, you know, we don't know a lot about Aeneas. We know that he was paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Eight years. Not being able to walk. You know, we talk about kind of hopelessness today that some people struggle with. But I can't imagine going eight years. And you kind of, I think, you know, they probably, people have prayed you know, you've, you've done all the things you're supposed to do. You've tried all the things. And you're kind of, at that point, probably just like, this is, this is what I'm, how I'm going to be the rest of my life. And, you know, again, maybe Aeneas was okay with that. Maybe he was still hopeful that maybe he would be healed. We don't know. And it's hard sometimes because we don't always know all the details. But we do know that for eight years he was bedridden. <clears throat> and so, you know, again, we see this, you know, this point where Peter comes in. And, and again, he says, Jesus heals you. And, you know, many would say, and, you know, I think I would be included in that, that healing a sick, sick body is, is probably one of the greatest miracles you could ever witness, right? I don't know if you've ever seen that or if you know someone that has been healed or, you know, something has happened. <coughs> Sorry. But <clears throat> it's, it's, it's really something. I, I mean, I can't imagine that. And, you know, as, as amazing as that is, <clears throat> I do think that there is something far greater. I think that there is something that we see throughout scripture that is far greater, and that's the salvation of the human soul, right? Maybe not as uh, glamorous, if you will, at times, right? Because you can't necessarily see the immediate effects of that always. You may see somebody's life change. You may see a turn in direction how they live. But the salvation of the human soul is, is far greater, is a far greater miracle. You know, you notice in verse 35 there, that the healing of this man is really what brought many to salvation, right? 
I mean, think about it. This amazing thing took place. This man was healed. He rose and walked after eight years. But past that and the result of that was that many came to salvation. And we have to see here and pause for a moment that, that we have to see that God is always using his miracles to bring about a greater good, isn't he? Let's go back for a minute to, to Luke chapter 5, where Jesus, we see him her, uh, heal a, the paralytic man. Remember the man that was lowered down through this roof? You know, he had, he had good friends, right? Willing to tear somebody's roof open to drop him, to get him to Jesus, right? And we see that account, and beginning in verse 20, it says, And when he saw, he being Jesus, saw their faith. Again, the guys tore up somebody else's roof they didn't know to lower him down. He says to the man, he says, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? Sit with that question for a minute. Which is easier? And just think about that. He goes on, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on, on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Very kind of parallel, isn't it, with what we're talking about today, with what we see with Peter. But also, we see something here that is really important because, again, this moment with Jesus and the paralytic, it demonstrates what's most important to God. And, and we need to hear this today. What's most important to God? What does Jesus do first? Does he heal the physical body or does he forgive the man's sins? He forgives his sins, doesn't he? And I think that is, sets a precedence that we need to take note of, that, you know, again, don't get me wrong, you know, it's all in Scripture that, you know, we pray for the sick, right, that they might be healed. But listen, <laughs> there is not a single person in the Scriptures, I'm getting ahead of myself, I should, I should probably stop, but I'm going to, let me just say this, there's not a single person in the Scriptures, let's go to the extreme of being raised from the dead, Right? Is Lazarus still walking around today? Are any of these people that, that were raised from the dead in Scripture walking around today? Not that I know of. I mean, I don't know if you've heard of any, you know? The whole point of what, again, what Jesus does, the whole point of miracles, the whole point of healing, as wonderful as it is to be set free physically, the whole idea is that we're set free spiritually. Thanks, buddy. We're set free spiritually, right? Either we are, or, you know, if the healing's been done in us, but look at every single time that this happens, a miracle takes place, many are set free, aren't they? They see the miracle, and so they believe. It validates the message and the messenger. And so, I, listen, I get it, because it is hard for us, isn't it, to keep our eyes on spiritual things sometimes more than the physical, right? Why? Because when you get up in the morning and, you know, if, if you're missing a leg or you can't walk or you hurt, that gets your attention pretty much every day, doesn't it? It's just in your face. 
And so I don't want to take away from that struggle, but we always have to bring ourselves back. And this is, again, why we're encouraged to be in the Word of God, to hear the Word of God, to, to, to kind of uh, you know, grow in our faith. Why? Because we always, just the way we're wired, we always have to come back to those things that are spiritual. Why? Because we live in a physical world. We see with physical eyes, physical things. And so it can be overwhelming at times. It can be, you know, uh, you look at people that are struggling with hope, right? And even, even us in here, it's, it's okay if you're in that place. And you watch the news, you see the uncertainty in the world, and, and the, those are all physical things, right? But in our spirit, don't we know the God over all things? Don't we know the certainty of our eternity in heaven? Don't we know that this life is but a, a vapor and it's going to be over in a moment, looking at the, you know, the fullness of eternity? But do we live that way? I know I don't all the time. <laughs> I forget, right? I see what's in front of me, and I'm struggling, and I have to come back to, to, to the Word of God. I have to come back to those moments, like, like, you know, when Jesus would pull away to those moments of solitude to be with the Father. We have to constantly be reconnecting or staying connected, right? Because if we get off on, on what we see, it can be very discouraging. And so, you know, we need to see that, that our focus must be on the things that are spiritual. And ultimately, our, the greatest gift, the greatest miracle of all is seeing a soul uh, just totally uh, uh, rejuvenated and brought to life from death. And know that they're sealed by the Holy Spirit and have an eternity with Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the greatest miracle. And that kind of springboards us in from this, this scene we're into the next part that we're going to look at, this next uh, miracle we're going to see. And, you know, again, we saw this man raised from his bed that couldn't walk. Now we're going to kind of take it up a notch, right? And so we're going to see somebody that has life restored to them. So let's jump back in now in verse 36, and let's keep reading as, as uh, we're going to see just to set this thing unfold in front of us. And so in verse 36, it says, Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. And again, our culture, Dorcas, Dork, that's not the greatest word, right? But actually in that time, Dorcas actually means gazelle. So it was a very beautiful name in that you know, culture, in that time, in that setting. So don't let what it is now kind of throw you off. But um, it, it means Dorcas. And she was full of good works and acts of charity, Okay. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydia, or sorry, since Lydda, I always want to say Lydia, Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. And I just need to pause for one second. Are you, there, there are a lot of parallels happening here. It should take you back to, to Jesus, right, when he walked the earth. You know, we see this, we saw them, him you know, uh, healing the paralytic man, right? Now we saw Peter doing the same. And almost like if you go back to Lazarus, right, when they came to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, hurry, right? The guy's dead already. <laughs> In Jesus' case, Lazarus was, but Jesus knew what was gonna, the outcome was going to be, that, you know, death was a moment and he was going to do something but here we see Peter almost kind of similar. I think there's a lot of parallels running, and we're going to see even more as we go. Um, and so again, they, they went to him, urging him, please come with us, do not delay. And verse 39, so Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that, that Dorcas made while she was with them. 
Again, she was a generous person. She was a kind person. They're showing the, the impact. All these people, had, she had impacted their lives as a disciple. Verse 40, it says, But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and, and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. So a few things, again, to note here. It's first one of these amazing scenes in the Bible, you know, somebody being uh, raised from the dead. But it's happening in this place called Joppa. It's, this is a coastal city on the Mediterranean. Again, so we're kind of on the west side, west, northwest of Jerusalem, and it's, it's right on the coast. It's a coastal city. Um, you may remember, it may sound familiar, um, some 800 years earlier, uh, it, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, right? And he said this, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come, upon, or come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. And so we see, again, 800 years earlier, there's, that's this town, Joppa. This is, again, this coastal place. And at this time now, you know, Peter's about three hours away from Joppa. So it was about a three-hour journey to get to to where this was taking place. And, you know, again, it's something else to note here is, again, Tabitha, you know, this, this is a disciple, right? This is a follower of Jesus Christ. She, again, had, had committed her life to him, and, it, you know, it's translated, it means Dorcas, but the Aramaic is Tabitha, and the Greek is Dorcas, all right, which means gazelle. And, again, just we, the fact that she's a disciple is an important thing. That means she had been doing work there. That means she had been serving the Lord there. And we see the effects of that work by the people that are surrounding her. But notice in verse 40, and again, when I talked about these parallels, right? In verse 40, it says, Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes when she saw Peter and she sat up. Why do you think Peter put everyone out of the room? If your mind goes back, and we're talking about these parallels with Jesus, do you remember a, a time when he went to see a, a centurion's daughter, right? It's actually, it was, I, I love this account, and we're going to read it. Um, this was actually my very first sermon preached in this church was on this, <laughs> was when Jesus uh, raised this little girl from the dead. And I, I love this story. I love this account. And so it comes from Mark chapter 5, <clears throat> beginning in verse 32. It says, And when he had entered, Jesus came into the place. He said to them, <clears throat> Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And here we go, right? Jesus himself, son of God, going in to raise this, this girl from the dead. And the response of the people, verse 40, and they laughed at him. Makes you feel a little better, right, when you say something and maybe somebody doesn't believe you or you share your faith and somebody mocks you. Jesus himself, <laughs> and people were laughing at him. And what does he do? He puts them all outside. 
And he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. When we read that phrase, those who were with him, guess who was with him? James, John, and Peter. So Peter had seen, he's like, he, I'm sure he walked into this situation, he's like, oh yeah, I remember this. <laughs> Peter was hard-headed, it took him a while to get things, didn't it? But I'm sure this, this scene, this moment, he remembered very, very quickly in his mind. I remember. And there's a lot that we could say here. There's a lot about, you know, we talk about discipleship and, you know, there's something to somebody that walks with someone else, right? There's a young believer and, and Jesus walked alongside of Peter. I should say Peter walked alongside of Jesus. He, he had these moments where he saw Jesus do amazing things. And now he sees himself kind of in that same situation, and so he clears the room, he gets by the bed, he kneels down, he prays. Even look at the names, Talitha and Tabitha are very similar, right? So there's just these parallels. And again, it's just, I think it's just beautiful to see this and how it, it, it paralleled Peter and Jesus as they're walking this out. But can you imagine being there, you know, and much like with Jesus, this command, this, this kumai, right, arise, Arise, Except this time, again, it's Peter that's praying it. And instead of Talitha, it's Tabitha Kumai. And one thing I love about these scenes, right, other than just, I mean, the basically, you know, coming back to life is, is huge, right, is this. And this is something, you know, I, I, it always strikes me. I, I love the way Jesus, and it seems like Peter was the same way, you know, in the power of Christ. There wasn't like this, you know, you know, Lord, we thank you. And in the name of Jesus, you know, it's, it's Jesus. I mean, it comes across very clear, especially when he does. It's, it's a whisper. A whisper in the face of death, the, the greatest adversary to, to all people, really, that, that people think of. You know, it's, death is like the thing that no, you can't defeat, right? We all face that, don't we? Doesn't matter your social status, you know, where you're from, how old you are. How, you know, death is death. And Jesus comes in, and we see Peter come in the same way, and with this, this Talitha Kumai, right? Tabitha Kumai. And by the power of God, that person breathes life once again. And I love that scene, because it establishes once and for all, I mean, there's other places too, obviously, Jesus raising from the dead himself, but it's, it's this power over death, that death is not the end. Death does not have the victory. And even a whisper from God, everything changes. Everything changes. And so I love this, and I love the fact that it, it notes that Peter, first thing he does is kneels down and he prays. And then he makes this statement to, to, to arise. Right? And she does, doesn't she? She sits up. Now, again, I, I always... When I read scripture, um, questions come up. Do you guys experience that from time to time? Do you wonder, 
Do you stop and think and ask, like, well, I wonder why this is, I mean, I'm not, we're not, like, questioning God, but just, like, why is it this way? Like, for example, for me, like, why I'm wondering, how come, you know, Dorcas, right? Why was she raised from the dead? Why not? What about Stephen? Remember a few chapters ago when he's standing there and, you know, they're, they're, gonna, they're throwing stones at him? And he's proclaiming the gospel, right? I mean, if, if somebody should have been raised, I mean, what, why not right there, right? But we know that God has pl a plan, doesn't he? He is accomplishing things, that, and, and we don't always know the whys, but we know that he, the who, and he's always faithful. And so we don't know exactly why, you know, God chose Dorcas to, to be risen. Maybe it was because, you know, who was around there. But one thing is always certain, again, for certain, is that God is always working and God has a plan. And he's carrying out his will, isn't he? And that should encourage us today, wherever we're at. You know, maybe you're not in this situation where you're, you're facing a, a death. Maybe you are. You know, I don't know what you're experiencing today. But know that God is in control. And God has the authority and the power. And again, death in this physical body is not the end, is it? You know, we talked about salvation being greater than the healing of the body, you know, even from death. You know, why? Have you thought about why that is? I have three, three things, three reasons that that's the case. And that first one would be it's, it's a greater cost, isn't it? It's a greater cost. What does it cost for us to be brought to life, to new life? It costs the blood of Christ, didn't it? It cost, him, it cost him dying on the cross for our sins. The greater cost, next is the greater, greatest results, right? You think of the results of, of salvation. It's, it's an, it has an eternal weight to it, doesn't it? Again, like I said, Lazarus is, Lazarus is not walking this earth anymore. <laughs> he was risen from the dead physically, but ultimately he, he went back to death again at some point in his physical body. And so again, we have an eternal, our greatest result is eternal. And lastly, it's, it's the greatest glory to God. When someone comes to Christ and begins to serve him, it brings God all the glory. And every single one of these accounts that we read today, we always see some way, it may be worded a little different here and there, but we see that it's, it's to bring God the glory, right? That people believe, people are amazed, people are brought to Christ. They, they, they come to know him. And so every person who has ever been risen from the dead, again, outside of Jesus, their earthly body is still here today, you know, waiting to be brought to life whenever we're resurrected. And so, again, to keep that in our mind, we need to keep that in our, in our uh, just the forefront of what we're looking at, that salvation truly is the greatest thing. And lastly, in verse 43, we see that Peter, he stays in Joppa, doesn't he? He stays for many days, it says, with Simon, a tanner. So you got Simon called Peter, and you got Simon the tanner, right? Um, again, a tanner is the one that takes the animal skins and does all that. Everybody, I think, is familiar with that. But Peter stays there, and it, it's probably where the Lord starts, in, well, I should say maybe continues to prepare Peter's heart to be ready for what's next. Anybody read chapter 10? Did you guys do any uh, advanced reading? <laughs> Well, I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler today. 
But before I do, just to, again, talking about a tanner. A tanner, it was an unclean, considered an unclean profession, all right, amongst the Jews. Why? Because they handled unclean dead animals, didn't they? You don't get a dead animal skin without a dead animal, right? Got it? Nowadays, I guess you can get synthetic ones maybe, but it's not the same. And so, you know, that was an unclean thing, right, to handle a dead animal. But as we're going to see in chapter 10 of Acts, Peter is going to experience a vision, right? Sound familiar a little bit? Sound, all this stuff coming from heaven, this, the, these animals. And a voice calls to Peter in Acts chapter 10, verse 15, and it comes to him and says a second time, he says, what God has made clean, do not call common, right? And there's, there's starting to be this shift, and the Lord is going to deal with him as to what is really clean and what is not. Because remember in chapter 10, that's the point where he's called to Cornelius' house, isn't it? Right? And, and again, I, I probably don't do justice to the, the beauty and the amazement of how the scriptures are coming together, how, how God is writing this story and he's working, again, where, where Peter was and he happened to be the distance he was that, you know, in, the, in the area to be brought in. And then he chooses, you know, maybe not chooses, maybe he felt that he was supposed to stay there for a season. He stays with his tanner, which is starting kind of almost this process of seeing what's truly clean or what's not. And then the next chapter, as we know, he's going to be walking into the Gentiles' home and seeing, you know, Cornelius and the, the, his home and all his servants, everybody being brought into the fold, right? And it's beautiful. And this is where, you know, when people, you know, try to discredit or question the word of God, it's like, you do not stumble and you cannot, in our capacity as human beings, write a story that, that, that does this, where there's so much depth and so many parallels and the way things are carried out. Only God could accomplish that. And so again, we see this uh, being carried out with Peter and, you know, he is, he's in the right position for what's next. Why? Because he was following the Lord by simply doing what, what the Lord had placed in front of him. Do you understand? He didn't know that this, he was going to be called in to, to pray for this, this person to come, this uh, woman to come to life again. But he was walking it out. In Acts 10, again, the next chapter, 5 and 6, when, when Cornelius sends his people, it says, And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon and Tanner whose house is by the sea. Again, Peter would have never been there if he hadn't been obedient to go when he was called to come and, 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 and raise this woman from the dead, to pray for this woman. Maybe he didn't know what was going to happen on his way. And so as we, again, kind of wind this chapter down and wind our time up today, I want us just to think about, you know, what is happening here. And, you know, first off, what about, you know, when we see miracles taking place? When things happen, you know, that, that only God could do. Again, to, to constantly come back to that place of being reminded that this is to, to bring glory to God. Lord, help us, you know, if we ever try to take, you know, either credit or we get caught up in what happens like, yeah, you know, I had a part in that. That was me. The fact that you're sitting here in this room today, the fact that you woke up this morning is a gift from God. The fact that we're gathered here today, that you can, you can gather in a group this size to be encouraged and built up, to hear the word of God preached, you know, without fear of some, you know, religious police like bashing the door in and, and somebody coming in here, that's a gift from God. 
My question is, is are we squandering that gift? Or are we being faithful with it, right? Whenever there's miracles, whenever something happens that's just amazing, again, it should lead, that miracle should lead to the greater, or should, should I say greatest miracle of salvation. And maybe you're here in this place today, maybe you're here, or maybe you're watching online and God's done something, you see something, or maybe the fact that, you know, I've heard so many testimonies from people like, I should be dead today because of the life that I've lived. <laughs> I've been crazy, I've done stupid things, I should not be here today, or maybe I should be locked up somewhere, but I'm here. <laughs> if that's you today and you've, you've not, not professed Jesus as Lord and Savior, I would encourage you to really take account of that, right? Because God, by his grace, has, has brought you to this place today. You know, the other thing, again, I want us to really see today is, is again, what can happen when we're faithful to what God's called us to? It doesn't have to, Peter didn't start, right, at the bedside of a, a woman who was dead, did he? He started by, beside Jesus. He started by watching and walking. He started by getting a lot of things wrong, didn't he? <laughs> Peter was constantly saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, messing up, right? Anybody give an amen to that one, right? We can identify with that, can't we? But we see the grace of God. We see the patience that Jesus showed him. And ultimately, we see the restoration even after the greatest denial when, when Peter's like, I don't know the guy and how he's being used now. How did he get to that place? Simply by being faithful. And so what is in front of you today? What have you been called to do? Whether insignificant, seemingly insignificant, I should say. You may just be saying hi to the, the, the man or woman that delivers your mail every day, right? <laughs> I don't know. But what has God called you to do and are you doing it? Because again, many people will, will sit around and will think about this great thing that we want to accomplish. And maybe God's put that on our heart. But the only way you're going to get there, it's not from leaping from where you are to there. It's by being faithful for that first step, that next step, that next step. And as we're faithful and as we walk that out, pretty soon you begin to see like, wow, look how far I've come. But I'm, look at where I'm going. And one day you might just step, take that next step and you're standing in that point or that place that God has shown you or that God has called you to. Amen? So let us dwell on that today. And as again, as we've seen in this, this chapter of Acts, I mean, it began with, again, the greatest persecutor of the Christian church of that time changing 180 degrees, right? Becoming a new person and becoming an advocate for the very one that he persecuted the most. And then we finish off this chapter with this, these two amazing accounts. But we see, again, the faithfulness, and we see the result that people believe. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for today. I thank you for these wonderful people. God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that, that the words that have been shared, again, would just take root in our hearts. Lord God, I don't know every single person in this room. I don't know what you've called each person to. But God, I know that, that there is a calling. Not every calling is, is to, to the pulpit, to, to, to be in ministry in, in such a, uh, a way that's in the front. We're, we're called to minister, to reach the person across the street, to reach the, reach the person next door, to take a meal, Lord, just to, to be um, your hands and feet, Lord God, to the world around us. God, let us not miss the simple opportunities that come by us every single day. And God, let us be found faithful, Lord God, 
with whatever it is that you put in front of us today. God, we thank you that, that you are still at work. God, that you still do miracles. And again, while many of us maybe haven't seen some physical healing like this, God, we can celebrate that hopefully we've seen many people come to know you as Lord and Savior. We've seen lives changed. And we've seen, again, the beauty of when someone comes to know you as Lord and Savior. To have that peace and to, to know 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt that that they're gonna be in eternity together with you. So God, I just pray that you would continue, Lord, to stir our hearts, that you would give us boldness, that you would give us eyes to see beyond the physical to the spiritual that's happening around us. God, the lives that are hanging in the balance. And God, so often it's, it's you're, you're waiting for us. We sit around saying, Lord, we're waiting on you, we're waiting on you, but you're sitting there like, I'm, I'm ready, let's go. God, challenge us today. Challenge, again, just the way that we see things, that we see people, and that we see opportunity. And again, Father God, I just pray that we would be found faithful, Lord. God, I thank you that you've truly spoken through your word this morning and that our hearts have been changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand?